Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. Thank you for taking time to listen in. We are part of the Loving Liberty Network, and Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their community, their family, and their children. And I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Bonnie Strait. She's from Texas, and she has a reputation of being able to sue the unsuable and win. And she wins before she ever gets into court, okay? doesn't even have to go through that process. And I'm, it, the timing on this couldn't be any better, Bonnie, because we are in our legislative session here in Utah, which I'm, well, you, you, I think you have a year-round legislature in Texas. I'm not sure. But we only have a short 45-day window. And we had a situation yesterday where a chair... Um, we were in a committee hearing, and it was on a, a bill that's very passionate with the people, and it's dealing with vaccine passports, and it was going to prohibit um, businesses from asking for vaccination status of employees and of patrons, okay? So that was the nature right. of the bill. And um, before the meeting even started, the chair just, first of all, referred to people in the room as jerks, Okay, which exactly. I mean, the the decorum of the chair was off the mark from the get go. And the people in the room had put stickers, just a little like a name tag that said, vote yes on this bill. Vote yes. That's all it said. Okay, and that was to help identify them as being people that were for the bill so that the committee could just look at the audience and say, wow, there's 100 people and. 95 of them want this bill, right? Well, he decided that he didn't want those stickers and he, um, which was contradictory to the legislative rules. Plus, as you would know, it's contradictory to free speech. And uh, anyway, a gentleman ended up being taken out of committee after he had taken the sticker off. They wanted to make an example, charged him with a misdemeanor and, and, Five of them hauled him off out of committee. And, and so in that kind of a situation, what does a citizen, uh, I don't want to say citizen, what does a living man have that he can do to, um, to correct this injustice that was served upon him? Well, if he was hauled away, I assume you mean taken off to confinement somewhere, right? Right. So if that's the case, there's no due process, right? Because right. prior to confinement, you have to have an indictment of a grand jury. And I just, before we got on the call, I read through your Utah Bill of Rights, and there's some really strong language in there about your freedom and your liberty. And that is what holds your civil servants accountable 
The U.S. Constitution is the floor that the states cannot drop below. But it's your state constitution, your Utah Constitution, where your living men and women stand on their God-given rights. Your rights to due process is codified in Article 1, Section 7. Well, what's squirrely about it is in the very next statement, you read Article 1, Section 8, and it's talking about uh, ways that they could confine you and set bail too high. And there's been some tampering with the Bill of Rights. It's the same in Texas, right? So what David straight and I go out and teach the people is how to stand on their rights and how you're not a part of that corporate construct that happened in 1871 without the people's permission. It was called the Reconstruction um, Laws. The 14th Amendment, you know, the 13th Amendment set all the slaves free, and the 14th Amendment turned around and enslaved everyone by making you a creation of the state without your knowledge, creating a sub-character that has a similar name as yours, but it's the all-capital name that's actually a corporation. See, they can... Um, how do you say, regulate commerce or commercial instruments, but they cannot, they cannot regulate private activity. Was this man speaking in a private way to announce his opinions and views on a private matter, or was, it, was he being paid to speak or not speak and regulated? And the answer is if he's speaking privately, meaning he's not making money, or, you know, he's not creating commerce by his speech, like he's not a paid actor or a football player or whatever else, you know, you do to make money if he's just expressing his views that are given to him by God. He's operating the private. They can't regulate it. It's the same thing when you're driving down the road and they try to pull you over and regulate your private driving or traveling, I should say. If you're not transporting goods or money, or goods or people for money, they cannot regulate that private travel, but they try to trick the people into believing that they can, which is why we're giving tickets uh, for speeding 10 miles over the speed limit. And yet that's a criminal offense without a corpus delecti, without an injured party. So if that man that was arrested and confined yesterday what the state agencies are doing and their corporations, they're not real government. And we have gone all of our life believing that we have government when we don't. We have corporations ruling over us. And there's a real special nugget I just read in your Utah Constitution. It was so power-packed. It talked about franchises. And uh, I would highly encourage everybody to go back and read it. It was toward the end of the Bill of Rights, I believe. I read about, oh, there's five pages. But how, oh, let's see here. I can go back and read it. I can look it up real quick for you. Well, uh, you know, Bonnie, you bring up a great point. And a lot of times we focus a lot on the U.S. Constitution, which, again, it's a great document. But we, we have a governing document as well in our state constitutions. And a lot of times that gets overlooked. And that, again, holds a lot of weight. I mean, 
over the state. It's the supreme law of the state. Okay. Right. And we need to land. be more versed right. in that for sure. Well, and what's interesting is, you know, there's a maxim of law that says that which one creates, one controls. Isn't that interesting? God who created us has control of us, right? Mm -hmm. That's where our freedom comes from. It comes from God who creates us, that which one creates, one controls. Well, what's interesting is the state, um, the state power was created by the people, right? That state constitution is created by the people. Well, what's interesting is when the states came into that union treaty or compact, the representatives of the state created the U.S. Constitution. And it was codified into the Bill of Rights in 1791 to protect the people. But that is a treaty amongst the states. It's very interesting how it was created. But the people of Utah created the Bill of Rights. We also have the right to alter, reform, and abolish in any manner we think expedient. And there's some funky stuff in your Bill of Rights, like in Article 1, Section 8. I highly recommend that you, the people, change. When David and I were recently in Utah, oh, man, I, we love the Utah people. They're so precious. And they're so liberty-loving, and they're business people, and they're, they're smart and savvy, and they're God-fearing. I mean, it's just a, a wonderful time when we're there. We love Utah. And um, from Utah, we went to L.A., Los Angeles. And it's the same thing. We are meeting people that are standing firm. But people think that they have to go through the corporation to fix the problem. And that's not the case. The power is inherent in the people. This is found in your Article 1, Section 1 or Article 1, Section 2 of your nation state's Bill of Rights. You, the people, have a right to form and create your common law courts. Look at the Seventh Amendment. We have done this in Texas. We have common law courts up and running. And we put the fraud courts, the corporation, on notice that we're holding our common law courts. Now, we've been doing it since 95. When we render a judgment of the people under common law, the, there is no court in the United States our common law court judgment. And you can read about that in the Seventh Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We have the power to create. We're the creators of government. We have the right to alter, reform, and abolish. When we see some funky business going on, we have a right to fix it. If we created this entity that created a corporation, and the corporation is having policies that infringe on your God-given rights, you have a right to sue underneath a U.S. Supreme Court decision called Monell versus Department of Social Services. That's spelled M-O-N-E-L-L versus Department of Social Services, U.S. Supreme Court decision, 1978. You can sue any corporation for their unconstitutional policies, patterns, and practices. So if somebody is being preyed upon for their free speech exercise, you need to sue somebody. You need to hold your civil servants accountable. I don't care who they are. If they're judges, they have an oath of office. They have a bond, an insurance policy that protects you when they injure one of we the people. 
if it's the county commissioner, if it's the, uh, the mayor of your local town, if it's your city council, you see those corporations can be dissolved in an instant with a writ of quo warranto. And you, the people, have a right to form your common law courts that are not part of the corporation. It's of the free people. So what David and I, uh, when we teach people how to stand on their rights, part of it is correcting their status because we don't realize it, but when we check off yes to U.S. citizen, that's a fiction. It's a corporation entity or employee that we're really not, but we have been taught to believe all of our life that that U.S. citizen is us. Well, I'm a Texian American national, right? I've perfected my status under 8 U.S.C. 1101A21 through 23. We have the fundamental right to identify with whatever status we would like to claim. So if you wrongfully checked off yes to U.S. citizen, what you did is you signed up for slavery without full disclosure that it was slavery. Did they tell you that you had to obey one billion codes and statutes? And if you don't obey, you're going to go to jail? Well, how is that freedom? Slavery's been abolished. It's actually 13th Amendment involuntary servitude has been abolished. So what they have to do is enslave you with a contract. But we have to be careful what we sign. And if they're coercing you to sign something against your free will, then it's not a real legitimate contract. There are eight elements of a contract, and one of them is that the people um, entering into a contract have to understand all the terms and conditions of the contract. If there are hidden ones or terms of the contract that are not disclosed, it's not a real legitimate contract. You can't um, contract with somebody by using um, deceptive means of doing that. It's dishonesty. It's fraud. Fraud is intentional deceit. Fraud undoes the contract, right? Right. So what they've done so, is they've slaved us all by checking off yes to U.S. citizen. Well, David is teaching people how to stand on their rights. He's been doing it for 30 years. Um, I also, you know, I had a different avenue in life of just suing the unsuables, of suing judges, taking their, their butts in the federal court and demanding a remedy because we're entitled to one when we have been trespassed upon. That's in our first amendment. It's also codified in our state constitution. And you stand on that when you go into federal court, that is the supposed exclusive jurisdiction for holding your civil servants accountable for the trespass and injuries to your rights that are given to you by God. They have a contract with, we the people, they are trustees of the public charitable trust. Um, there's a lot to it. David shares that in a three-day seminar when he goes into different nation states and teaches. And um, we just want the people of Utah, of Texas, and every other nation state, we want them free. Because that freedom came at a price. I mean, it cost God everything to send us son to, to die for our, our freedom to set us free from slavery and, and from this sin um, that we've been trapped in. You know, Bob, and, um, there, I've, I wanted to let the listeners know that I've actually attended a couple of your workshops and it's so, it's like all the dots get connected. All the puzzle pieces kind of fall into place because 
you've kind of watched things. In fact, I just watched the behavior of our legislative body and they, they don't ever, I mean, they were trying to pass a bill earlier this week that would allow 16 year olds the ability to vote for the local school board. And I testified against the bill. I said, excuse me, but there's an amendment in the constitution that says you have to be 18. You're just going to ignore that. You can't ignore the Supreme law of the land. And yet it got as far as one floor vote before it was killed. But I mean, people were voting for that. How can that even be possible? People are sheep. Sadly, we want to be led, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we like an easy path in life. That's just human nature. This We are at war, and the war is one that we can win um, because legitimately we have been set free, and we just have to learn how to stand and be responsible and not just follow but ask questions. Know what our rights, our God-given rights are, and know how to defend them, and know how to stand up for your fellow man. I have to be on a Zoom hearing here in about 15 minutes to speak on behalf of a confined man in a different nation state who has been confined for 15 months pre-trial detention. There are no facts constituting a crime. He has been maliciously, civilly, and criminally prosecuted. When he has injured no one, why is he sitting in confinement? And this man has some physical ailments where he's, he's got back problems. He's sleeping on a cold floor without a blanket. Mm. Um, and they, they're treating him maliciously. How is it that we, the people in our nation states, are allowed, and this happens to be this man's in Utah. When I say a different nation state, I thought about it for a minute. No, he's right there in your nation wow. state. So he's a Utahn that is experiencing. He is. And, and actually, the lady that I met um, who told me about this family member of hers, I met her at the last Utah event we attended. Uh-huh. And it ripped my heart out to see this, this woman frantic of, of wanting her family member free. And, you know, kind of like the woman that pressed in close to touch the hem of Jesus's garment because she wanted to be set free from her physical malady. She wanted to be healed. This woman did the same thing to me of approaching me with that kind of zeal. And she would not relent because I really don't have a whole lot of free time mm-hmm. to work on individual cases, even though I'm, I'm able to. It's just the time constraint that I'm limited on because we're just traveling so much and we do so much teaching like I'm doing today. Uh, we, the people have a right to, to file a writ of habeas demanding that that man be set free until he has been prosecuted by a trial by jury of his peers who know his character and find him guilty or innocent. He has the right to be free until he's tried with a real legitimate means of due process. What is due process? Notice, opportunity to be heard, opportunity to cross-examine witnesses, opportunity to put on evidence in his favor. Why is that not happening yet? He's sitting in a Utah you know, corrections facility right now without having been tried. Okay, so Bonnie, so you're, telling that- me that you're telling me this Utah is in a Utah facility. Like, yes. he's not in another state. That is happening here. No, it's okay. happening there in Utah. It's that everywhere today. Shocking. 
and, and it is your civil servants that you have got to hold accountable. So we have to teach the people how to write a writ of habeas. See, um, one of the things our founding fathers knew is that the confined is in a disproportionately weakened position to defend himself. A lot of times they don't give the confined paper, pens, a legal library to study, the ability to have a document notarized. Now, mind you, you can do two witnesses rather than a notary. A, another living man or woman can witness the signature, and that's biblical. It's, it's legitimate. Um, to write a writ of habeas when you're underneath this official oppression of all the stress, all the being deprived of every creature comfort that we enjoy in life, your own choice of meals, your own choice of clothing, your own choice of, you know, what kind of pillow you want or a toothbrush, that kind of thing. We're stripped of everything. This man is suffering, and we, the people of Utah, have the power to file a writ of habeas in that court case and demand he be set free. And if he is not, your civil servant needs to be prosecuted for the crime because it's, it's codified in the federal code book, 18 U.S.C. 242, a willful, uh, intentional denial of a fundamental right of we the people is on them. They're the criminal. And we have, we have the power and authority to write those writs of habeas corpus and file in on that judge and tell him, bring the body forth. See, our forefathers knew that many people would be targeted for political reasons. And they would be put in the situation where a notary is withheld, a pen and paper is withheld. I know somebody that um, they, that happened to them. They were put in solitary confinement. They were not given a notary when they were asked continually for one because they wanted to write a writ of habeas uh, while confined. They were denied the, the notary denied pen and paper, denied a law library, and had no means of writing a writ of habeas for themselves. But when we understand that the people on the outside can write a writ of habeas and demand the relief of that man or woman who's being confined, 15 months, no trial. He's already been punished without a trial. Well, you know what? The beautiful thing is the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment means that now that he's been punished, they can't punish him again under the double jeopardy clause of the Fifth Amendment. He's already been punished without a trial, without a grand jury indictment. Bonnie, I it, just... Bonnie, we are heading to um, a short break, and I know you have, um, you have to take off in... How much more time do you have before you have to well, leave? Well, I need to get... On this particular issue we're talking about, I need to be on that call in five minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, let's let you go. Thank you for, for joining us because I want you to make sure you've got, you're ready because this, this man needs your help. So thank you for joining us, Bonnie. We'll get you back here another time to share more of your information. We're taking a short break here on the Liberty Mom podcast.
Welcome back. It's Chris Kimball, part of the Loving Liberty Network, hosting the Liberty Moms podcast. Thank you for staying with us. My guest had to leave, and I'm I'm more than happy to release her to this important work that she's doing. Her name is Bonnie Strait. She lives in Texas, and her husband, David Strait, they, they teach uh, classes on how to restore your personal sovereignty as men and women of God and not as vessels of the, of the corporate construct that we currently have today as the United States of America, Inc. And uh, she was off to help someone who has been, um, uh, his rights have been restricted and he's not receiving the full due process and he's in confinement and, and it's happening here in Utah. I thought maybe he was out of state and there's issues going on in Washington, D.C., with those that had attended the um, January 6th um, uh, rally um, for um, certifying, getting our vote certified correctly um, with the 2020 election cycle. And uh, they are being mistreated horribly as well. And they're not getting due process, meaning they're not getting their day in court. Habeas corpus, meaning you have to be brought forth. That's what that means. The body is brought forth. You don't sit and languish in prison for um, months and maybe years on end because there's some individuals who are in prison for years on end before they even, they're not getting their due process. That's what happened in the old world when we were part of England. And um, if you got sent to prison, you ended up staying there until who knows when, till the king, the purview of the king to have you brought forth. And so part of our constitutional rights, and I am by no means even near Bonnie's level of, of um, acumen with the, with the constitution, but I'm trying to learn and I see how important it is. The other thing that's important that we have um, neglected, and I know I have, but it's understanding the U.S. code And what I learned by going to these workshops is that the U.S. code is really there to protect us from we, the people, from the federal government. It it restricts their federal overreach. And so if we don't know it, we're ignorant to it. And when then we can be abused, we can be tossed about. And in uh, in Utah yesterday, especially as we talked about earlier, um, an individual was removed from a committee hearing wrongly, okay? Um, We were, not we, I was listening over Zoom, but uh, a a large amount of Utah has shown up to a a bill that was very, very um, passionate uh, with having to do with vaccine. Again, restriction of our rights. That's what's created this passion. Whenever we see that our rights are God-given, which means only person that can remove those rights is God because he gave them to us, Okay, when we see men and um, public servants ignore these God-given rights, then, you know, people get a little upset. And uh, this individual had complied and removed a sticker, which was totally legal. It's I've looked up the legislative rules and there's nothing in the Senate committee rooms that restricts anyone from wearing a sticker. And believe me, I've been up in committee hearings when it's on sex ed, and you wouldn't believe what some of the Planned Parenthood 
um, people will bring in to the committee hearings. And so the idea that we had a sticker that just said vote yes for this bill was totally um, uh, blown out of proportion. And it was, it was illegal. It's illegal because we as the people have a right to free speech. We have a right to go up and tell that legislative body that we want them to vote a certain way. Okay, they need to know where we stand. And in committee hearings, you don't always have the opportunity to speak because there's time commitments, okay? And you're lucky if you get a minute and you're lucky if they let 10 people speak, okay? And so if you have a room full of 100, not everyone will get a chance to speak, but if you have a chance to wear a sticker that says yay or nay, the committee members can look in the audience and see, wow, there's strong support for this bill. That's something to consider as I make my vote. So it's actually educational for us to wear those stickers, and it's not um, disruptive. That's what the chair called it, disruptive, and that is not the case. So um, as I was talking to Bonnie earlier, she, of course, went into all of the the law, and she referenced the idea that we really um, should look and understand our state constitution because there's a lot of protections for we the people and it's a constitution that we set up for us to govern our state and we should know it. And I'm guilty of, I mean, I do have one and I've gone and referenced it several times, but I haven't really studied it as much as I have our U.S. constitution. So you also may have heard Bonnie making some references to state national, um, a living man, and words that we don't have in our normal construct. And I just wanted to let you know of a book that you might want to purchase that can give you an overview of this whole process that she was kind of giving us a quick um, condensed version in a short period of time. But it's a book called Treason by Lies, Deceit, and Fraud. It's the International Banking and Legal Conspiracy Against America, and the author is Mike Blackwell. He is a a Vietnam veteran, and he tells about his journey of being involved in the Vietnam War and then when he returned and what he learned about the history of the United States. And I don't think it would be a far stretch for us to maybe start to think that some of the history that we've learned I mean, just think about it. Is it possible that some of the history that we've learned isn't 100% accurate about the United States? I mean, I, I didn't realize that I've never been taught that, you know, the United States went under a bankruptcy and it was restructured as a corporation. And, and that's the case. I mean, that's the case of what's happened. And um, the more I've learned about um, what's happened with our rights being um, restricted, it explains a lot of the behavior that we see from our elected officials because they're working under admiralty law, which is corporate law, which deals with bylaws and codes and mandates and rules. And we're over here in this world thinking that we have sovereignty as daughters and sons of God men and women, and it doesn't mix well because our status is not over there under a living man or a living woman. 
we're have we have a status because of our construct of living in the United States of America Inc. We're part of that construct, and so um, it's it's kind of hard to explain just over I think a, a short conversation. But if you were to get this book, Treason by Lies, Deceit, and Fraud, it's not very thick. It's a quick read. It's a great overview. And then that's something that if you want to explore more, if you, the idea of resonating of being a living man and a living woman that is directly um, sovereign to a to our God and our Lord Jesus King, then you might want to do more research and maybe perhaps attend a seminar. And you can visit um, one website that you can look at is statenational.us. And that's the source that you can go to, and that's where you can find out about seminars that might be um, in Utah or in surrounding states. But it's it's very important that we really get educated on the law. And I've noticed when I, as a um, as a citizen lobbyist, which all of us should be citizen lobbyists during the legislative session, um, we have gotten to the point where our legislators. They've kind of liked the idea that we've kind of been home and, oh, yeah, they're up there passing all those bills and, you know, that I just can't understand it and that whatever. Well, these bills that they pass affect your very life. Okay, they affect how you live. They affect the quality of your life. They affect the freedoms that you are entitled to. And so we have been guilty, myself included, of we've been guilty of turning over the reins and just letting them do their thing without us really being involved and without us really making them accountable. And uh, you'll, you'll end up having people that get elected over and over again. In fact, my representative here in holidays, she's going on 25 years of, of public service in, in the house seat. And that is not what that was intended to do. It's just to go in and serve for a few years and then, leave and let somebody else have a turn. And then you don't have these, oh my gosh, entrenched entrenched politicians that have these connections with lobbyists and and uh, all the wheeling and dealing behind closed doors that happen. And with the, uh, the onset of COVID in the last two years, and we saw a lot of our Bill of Rights totally trampled on by state government, and I don't care if they say, hey, we didn't do it as bad as the rest of the country. It's still wrong. Okay? No one can interfere with God-given rights. They're unalienable. And so it doesn't matter if it's the county commission, whether it's the city mayor, whether it's your boss, your employer, they can't restrict rights. So um, one bill in particular that was very sticky through the session, and we still don't know how it will pan out, was this vaccine bill. It's known as HB60. It's on its sixth substitute, which tells you there's been a lot of tinkering with that bill since it was first introduced, and it's a low number, so it was introduced a long time ago, the very first part of the session, and here we are two days away from the session ending and it still hasn't passed because there's so much passion on both sides for the bill. The, the, uh, the legislators are, are contending that businesses have the right 
to ask for your vaccination status. That has never happened ever in the history of this country. Okay. And so to all of a sudden give business owners, employers, this right to access your medical information, your private medical information that has been protected by HIPAA. And all of a sudden now, just because you have employment, you have to give up that personal right. Well, that goes against your free will, which if you were to get the legal definition of slavery is someone who does not, isn't able to make decisions based on their free will. And so it's a form of enslavement if you're having to give over some of your personal information to an employer. And so it's an infringement on the Fourth Amendment, which is your right to person. And Dr. Kennedy, who is a senator, so he's actually Senator Kennedy uh, in uh, Utah County, he was testifying in the committee that no one has the right to tell you what you can inject into your skin. No one. Okay. And it's a medical procedure. And when does an employer start practicing medicine without a license? When does an employer know what, a, what is good for your body that may not be good to, for someone else's body? When does an employer know that you've got all, your own natural immunity? And, and for as a business owner, I don't want to know the medical information of my employees. I don't want to even go there. I just want to be able to have them work for me and not have to get into their private personal business, which is what medical privacy has been forever. And so this bill in the, in the current house, I'm sure across the United States, for those of you that are listening in other states, you're, you're going to see similar legislation where the states are trying to figure out this boundary because our federal government was overreaching and insisting that we have a vaccine mandate, which was unconstitutional and ruled unconstitutional by the, by the Supreme Court. But then it brought it back down to the states where it belonged in the first place. But now it's just this sticky process of understanding um, the, the basic rights of the people. And that's where um, our legislators have lost track. And here's the irony in all of this is that government tells businesses what to do all the time. They have, they have tons of licensing. They have tons of of, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm losing the word that I want, but they have to do, there's a lot of restrictions that are put on businesses that are required for, for you to even start up a business a lot of times. Um, all of the hoops that you have to jump through, okay? And yet they're, they're up there on the hill going, oh, we, we can't tell a business what to do. Well, you do it all the time. Then if that's the case, then let's see you repeal all of these restrictions that you have put on business over the last decades, okay? So it's very ironic that all of a sudden they're on their high horse of we can't tell a business what to do when just 20 months ago they told businesses to close. 20 months ago they were telling a restaurant how many people could sit in their restaurant. Okay, you can't get more into the business of what a of what is going on, the control, by telling them you can only be at 50% capacity, okay? So that is so disingenuous, and that was the the big stipulation that they were 
talking about the other day is it's the we have to balance the right of the business owner with the individual and actually individual rights always trump because it's the lowest common um, place where man we're as as bonnie said earlier we are living men and women directly accountable to god and god's rights are protecting us and uh, in the fourth amendment it's that right to person that protects us from being told on on giving us control of what we put into our bodies so that is just something to be aware of we have an election cycle coming up for everyone it's going to be on a different time frame but it's 2022 and so depending on the state you live in you could be having primaries right now um, here in utah we are getting ready for our caucus convention cycle where we will start to uh, figure out the nominating process of who will represent the different parties on the ballots and so it's a time for people to be engaged but more importantly it's a time for citizens to look at what your legislator, your house person, and your Senate, go look at their voting record, okay? I'm going to give you a couple of uh, uh, websites to check out. One is utahgrassroots.com, or it could be .org, so try either one, but Utah Grassroots, they do an excellent report card. It takes them about two or three weeks to get all of the data in, but they'll highlight maybe 25 bills that went through the session and give a grade according to those that actually voted according to the Constitution and protected our individual rights. You can also check Libertas. They do a a scorecard as well. Um, The Utah Education Association, the UEA, which is the school union, they do a scorecard. And if any of those legislators get a good grade on that particular scorecard, you do not want to vote for them because they are not interested in your individual rights or your parental rights because they're mostly um, uh, legislators that are catering to the union, the school union. So sometimes you can go to other sources and and uh, shake out information that gives you more content about your particular legislator. And so it's important that if your particular representative is not voting correctly and has passed bills that hurt your family, and that's the whole point of this Liberty Moms podcast is to help moms and dads protect their families, then it is your duty to make sure that that person does not get reelected. Okay, and so if you start looking at um, and if you paid attention to this last legislative session, there's a huge list of Republicans that I could give you (laughs) that need to be um, that need to be gone. Okay, they've had some seriously bad votes um, that are are harmful to our families, you know, and if you can focus on keeping the family unit protected and putting family first, which is the most basic core um, organization at the most basic level is the family which God created. He created man and woman and to have children and be responsible for them. Then you're always going to be on the right side. You're going to be erring on God's side. And that will always work out for the 
best. I, it's interesting how our legislators sometimes get caught up in emotional um, stories and emotional arguments that draw you away from God's principles. And when that happens, it creates an imbalance where there's an imbalance where someone is getting more of a protection than another individual. And if we steer and stay with God's law and natural law and his principles, then it actually works out better for everyone. There's an equal balance that, that takes place if we err on the side of God. And so it's, it's been really disconcerting because I've seen many of our legislators just totally ignore natural law. I mean, the idea that biological boys can compete in sports with girls, that isn't, that's a tough issue. Our legislative body cannot come to grips on the correct legislation for that. They had a wonderful bill last year, HB 309, which just was super clear Biological girl boys cannot play with girls, cut and dried, and you cannot get them to touch that bill. They've modified it. They've come back and decided that we have to find a path for boys to play with girls in Utah. I mean, in Utah, we're supposed to be this red conservative state, and we have a legislative body with a governor that has totally supported this this whole idea but they want to make sure that biological boys have an opportunity if they so desire to play with girls. And it's just unheard of. And when you, when you incorporate that into a sports team or into the world of athletics, then it opens the door for girls having to shower with biological boys from their team. It, it, it opens up the door for by girls having to share locker rooms with biological boys. And that is wrong, okay? There's just no other way around it. And um, Troy Williams from Equality Utah testified in that particular hearing, and he talked about the idea that these, um, these biological boys, he didn't use that reference, trans women is what he used, but, you know, they're suffering. They have gender dysphoria, and we're not addressing the emotional problem that is causing this feeling of needing to be a different gender. We're just supporting and reinforcing something that most of these teenagers, these kids outgrow by the time they go through puberty. So we're really overlooking the real cause of this problem and helping these children get well. And that's, that's what we want. We want them to be well and in, in a, into society and to to get married and have children and and be part of a productive society. So anyway, I just wanted to share some of the issues that we're seeing here in Utah. I'm sure that other states, other liberty parents across the United States are dealing with many of these same issues, but there are some resources and the resource that's going to help us the most is to be able to get educated on these documents that protect our liberty, that protect our unalienable rights that were given to us by God. And again, the book that I referenced earlier, Treason by Mike Blackwell, is a great resource. And then um, David Strait is teaching workshops, and you can go to statenational.us to get connected to his workshops. And, uh, and then start holding your elected officials accountable. That's the way we can secure our liberty. 
So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being part of our Liberty Moms um, podcast and being a, a listener. And we will um, be back soon. Stay, stay with us and we'll be, back, we'll be back soon. Thank you. <laughs>